The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright and Will Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. <laughs> Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Potterhood Podcast. I'm Nico White. I'm Will Posnan. And we're back with what episode of the quarantine series, bro? I want to say 27. I well, you want to say 27? I want to say that you're right. I'm going to, I have it right in front. Okay. Yeah, it is 27. Oh, 27. Quarantine series, episode 27. Max, Will, how are you? I'm I'm doing pretty good. This was a long week for me. I just looked at uh, our Apple podcast page and we got a nice body of work. Some people are saying some really nice things in the review page. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling good now. Good. Very good. How about you, Max? Yeah, I can't complain. Just uh, doing mics and shows still probably stopping my own shows for a while uh backyard shows have to stop because of stuff spiking but um besides that it's it's pretty good good (laughs) things are all right on my side i can't complain too much i'm currently in the last stages of having to do the editing of this goddamn project so exciting just gotta look at it one more time maybe two more times confirm some things and then i'll be throwing it out there to the world so it can be judged but that's really all of it. You know what I'm saying? Worried about what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Hoping that um the vaccine isn't mandatory, but that people take it. I.e., mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want it to be in my veins, but I hope people take it so I can get back to work. You know what I mean? And yeah, um, yeah that's about the space that I occupy right now. So we all going to take a co- collective pot of hood deep breath on the count of three. One, two, three. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. Will, who we sorting? Okay, so yesterday was the uh, was a pivotal moment in Atlanta history. We had the versus battle of Jeezy. He's no longer young Jeezy, just Jeezy. And Jeezy. Gucci Mane. And we're going to sort both of them. We may have already sorted Gucci previously. I'm not sure, but this battle definitely informs how I feel about him. Got gotcha. so, Let's, uh, so, should, do you want me to start? Um, you know what? I'm going to start on this one. Okay. I'm going to sort them both into whatever school what was the other school that came for the trial wizard tournament. Durmstrang. It was, it, Durmstrang. No, not Durmstrang. It was the other one with the giant. Bobadon. Bobadon. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to sort them into that for those ridiculous Sherlin coats they had on. The whole time. <laughs> 
<laughs> yo, bro, when I, I'm watching it, I'm like, yo, this is way too gangster for them to be dressed like my grandma, dog. It way really too- was. It was very gangster. <laughs> The part Very that they gangster, but that's my grandma's coat, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they were both dressed like Corella Deville, and they were way too thuggish about it. Corella Deville, but with a hundred Dobermans, a hundred Dobermans, and like definitely fifty pistols, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, but seriously, I would sort um Gucci into probably Ravenclaw because it was either going to be Ravenclaw or Gryffindor. Because when you really think about it in that whole situation, what went down with them, somebody may tell you that Gucci was right. Oh, for sure. And it's like, he really won. He really won. Because like we had a fight over a song. And if it's true that you sent, sent somebody to come get me, not only did they not get me, but I got them. I got them. And I got off of getting them. And you got to live with the fact that I got them. And... Not only do you gotta live with the fact that I got them, you gonna forgive me, but whether you forgive me or not, I still got them. Yeah. And I come out looking like such a strategic and bigger person at the end that I'm winning. Think about how many wins that is. He ain't lose nothing, except no, the versus battle, but he didn't lose nothing. <laughs> you had him losing? Yeah, man, I think it's crazy that people thought that it was, and I'm not gonna say it wasn't that it wasn't close, but Jeezy is a platinum artist, dog. Like, soul survivor. Come on, man. <laughs> I put on. Did he play I put on? Put well, on I his... mean, of course you're going to be the soul survivor when you're sending all your guys at Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. You said, you said he's the soul survivor. S-O-L-E. Last one. Yeah. Gucci yeah. killed him. <laughs> not funny. I ain't like playing with like that. You know how much of Atlanta they own? No, that that's was true. Of the, um, I'll stay in the Andre 3000 part of Atlanta where I'm safe. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> that's the one part of the verses that I thought was really baller and also put you in your place if you don't got that type of paper yourself. Gucci said, yeah, we need to have a jewelry versus. You know what I'm saying? I got about $5 million Oh, I love right that. Now. And Jeezy goes, so we need to have a real estate versus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that to me... So this verse has really highlighted the Ravenclaw side of, of Jeezy for me because okay. he really knew the chess moves that Gucci was going to make and he had prepared responses for them. Even down to the design of the stage, I guarantee you that when Jeezy knew that it was going to be him and Gucci, he was like, you need to create steps in the middle because Snoop and DMX, they were just on a stage together. Yeah. Jeezy and Gucci, they made it hard if those two were going to charge each other. They were yeah, like yeah. obstacles. It was like uh, the Triwizard Tournament. They were going to have like the moving hedges come out. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? Yeah. Is that, like you said, they had the stage set up different than they had it any other time. But thinking about Snoop and DMX, that was in Snoop's backyard. Like that's just Snoop's house. Yeah. Then they set that up in this man cave. That's how rich these people are. <laughs> no, Snoop, Snoop's probably, it's probably a 200 million. Yeah. Probably around. If that. not more. If yeah. not more. He's definitely generated more money than that. He just today, they announced he's got a new cartoon show coming out on Netflix. But you know, uh, well, casting, if y'all listening, um, as far as voices for cartoons, uh, you hear me. Oh, for sure. When you were uh, doing the deep breath thing, I was like, 
Man, Nico could catch a meditation audiobook tomorrow. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you, but they'll be they'll be wanting to listen, fam. They're gonna they catch be up. wanting to listen. They're gonna realize uh, pretty soon. But so uh, Jeezy, the, it impressed me when he said the real estate thing for sure. That was so Ravenclaw to be like, look, I'm not gonna be able to compete on the on the bling level. I'm gonna have something ready to say in case he brings that up. And he even had something ready to say when Gucci played that song. Like, to me, that was masterful, the way he tried to rewrap that energy. But it is like when a Ravenclaw goes up against a Gryffindor, if the Gryffindor goes hard enough, there's just not a response for that. And to me, that was like Gucci's Gryffindor side. Fair. See, and again, when you look at it, it depends on what, what angle you're looking at it from. If you're looking at it from a grown man perspective, these are two people that had probably the worst kind of beef. You know what I'm saying? Over something that when you think about it, it's pretty trivial and stupid. And they so should have been friends. You, they should have been like friends. They should have been friends. And Hagrid had beef. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with artists in general, right? Because look, we sitting here right now, who knows? A year from now, I could be sitting here going and fuck so-and-so and I hope blah, 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 blah. But somebody can be saying that about me, right? And in the moment, you'll be 100% correct to feel that way. Only to find out years later that that was wasted energy. And look at how much you lost. Like yesterday, when um, I saw that, when they did So Icy Together at the end, I was like, you know what? I'm really going to let go of all the grudges that I'm holding. Right? That's oh, beautiful. Because it's like, if, you, if that motherfucker... If he could kill your cousin <laughs> and then sing songs with you after, <laughs> that's growth, dog. So what am I mad at a couple of um punks for talking shit a decade ago? I mean, he made a good point about how basically how the environment that they were in was sick. Like he referenced Pop Smoke and King Vaughn and a bunch of other rappers. And he was just like, look, this whole environment pits us against each other, encourages violence because, you know, violence equals media coverage and media coverage equals songs sold and all that stuff. And like in a really succinct Ravenclaw way, he, you know, highlighted that. That's why I never thought of Jeezy as like a Ravenclaw, but now I think of him as like Ravenclaw through and through. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Very strategic guy. And he, you know, what's funny. If you had to pick a rapper to play Kingsley, Definitely, Jesus. <laughs> Definitely. First choice. <laughs> All so right. I, but I, I just want to say that I think that if Flitwick and Hagrid did have beef, I could see it going the exact same way where Hagrid's like, I own so many more animals than you. And Flitwick's <laughs> like, what about real estate? <laughs> and Hagrid being like, how you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hagrid, if he, if he ever did buy real estate, he would pay way too much for stuff nobody wanted. Like, just at the top of Troll Mountain, like a house on the edge of a cliff. It wouldn't even be a house. It would be his hut, but like something <laughs> smaller than that. This is the exact same layout plan, literally. And it's tilting like a seesaw, bro. <laughs> uh, he got to use a balancing charm to keep himself level in there. Hagrid's a lot like Gucci because you know that Hagrid, I mean, a lot of people say on the internet that Hagrid's got to be rich. Yeah, well, they wear this- the same jackets. <laughs> yo, they, yo, you can't be. Yo, you are not allowed to be that gangster in that. They look like they were going to church, dog. You know that if Gucci, if Thestrals uh, were real, Gucci would own twelve Thestrals and show up everywhere 
with Yo, only he would be able to see the Thestrals. <laughs> buddy said, Buddy said he had five million in jewels, dog. Five million dollars. And he ain't say that like, yo, this all of it. He said yeah. that like, <laughs> no, this is just what I bought outside today. Yeah, I'm wearing this five million. Five million dollars fucking dollars. I ain't assets. <laughs> Man, let's move on. What house are we putting them in? I'm gonna go. Uh, Gryffindor for Gucci, but there is like a Hufflepuff element to it too, where it's like explain. So with me, Gucci Mane, it's like he always rests on his values. At the end of the day, when people yes, question the 100%. kind of person he is, he always just circles back to his values. Like I'm a murderer, but I don't advocate violence. Like that kind of thing. Of- and even even the murderer thing, right? And and this is um something to what they were saying about the culture, right? I don't think it's glorification of murder and the violence and whatnot as much as it is like, no, this is what happened. Yeah. I don't really got a choice about how I feel about it. I can only feel about it. You know so the rap, I a hundred percent agree with you. So the rappers are not glorified. Even you look at King Vaughn, the rappers are not glorifying the violence. They're just putting a light on it. But you know who glorifies the violence? The local news anchor when they're like local rapper charged with murder yes. for and then they show them going into the courtroom wearing a nice suit because everyone wears a nice suit when they go into the courtroom. Now, I wonder. And again, you see you see how you see how media can affect things. That's why the one thing the one thing that our current commander in chief is not wrong about is that the media is fake. Right. Yes. Because all, it's all in how you spin it. If you look at in Harry Potter when Voldemort was doing what he was doing and Fudge was trying to act like nothing was happening, the mood in the world of Harry Potter was still very nice. And the only people that were down were the people that knew about Voldemort. Yeah. Right? As soon as it changed, you could literally feel it in the books by how the mood was being described, how the settings were being described. As soon as it changed and everybody knew Voldemort was back, everybody's moved it. Yeah. Now, does that I make mean, sense to where uh, there was, uh, what was I watching? They were talking about the vaccines and they said, yeah, um, we have good news. The vaccine is going to be coming and everybody can look forward to it. Blah, 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 blah. Great. They couldn't help themselves before it was over. This vaccine is going to save millions of lives. But it's too late for this five-year-old young boy who was left orphaned. But what? Why? Why? Well, that's the you thing. You didn't even so, tell us they had to go fund me. We couldn't donate. You just gave us that horrifying shit. Why? No, but that's a that's a really important question, which is: Should the news be utilitarian or should it be for profit? Because if it's for profit, then they are incentivized to bum people out. But if it's utilitarian then they're more incentivized just to give us the information we need. So here's a question. I'm just going to pause it because it's about Harry Potter. And I know that our listeners are going to have a lot of disparate views on this. So recently, or like six months ago, JK Rowling says some transphobic stuff and it bums out the entire Harry Potter community. What if, just a question, what if the news hadn't covered it? What if the only people who knew about it were people who saw the tweet? What if the news had just left the tweet alone and moved on? How would things be different? How would people in the Harry Potter community who have trans friends who are are trans, how would they feel differently if it wasn't circulated as much as it was? So let's come back to that, right? 
let's come back to that. Let's answer that question before sure. the end ourselves. Right. But I want to okay. get I want to give the people that are listening a chance to actually come up with their own answers for that themselves. And when nope. you come up with your answer, send it, send it to me. I'm actually curious. Yeah. You know no, what I'm definitely. saying? Send it to me on Instagram at Nico White 93. I'm actually writing this down. What was the question again, bro? How would it be different within the Harry Potter community if the news hadn't covered that JK Rowling tweet? I'm not saying right. if she didn't tweet it, just if the news hadn't covered it. Right. If the only if the if only the people that saw the tweet were the ones that spoke about it, how would things be different or how would you feel about it? Yeah. Give, give us that and we'll try to give you our thoughts. At least I will by the cool. uh, middle of the pot. Cool. All right. So we got something yeah. way different coming up next. And then we got the Dumbledore mini deep dive as promised. So before uh, before we started recording, um, Nico asked me if any Harry Potter characters drank coffee and I looked it up and there is a coffee page on harrypotter.fandom.com, which is like the Wikipedia for different fan cultures. Fandom.com is so mm -hmm. on the coffee. I'm going to tell you the characters in Harry Potter that are known for drinking coffee and you can tell me what you think. Uh, this is how this is how not known they are for drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. The reason so there's only even got here is because I said, you know, it's crazy in the Harry Potter world. We've seen them do so many things except drink coffee. I don't think there's any one person in Harry Potter that I've seen drink coffee in the movies or have read drink coffee in the books. They're drinking butterbeer and all types of shit. Never coffee. So you about to surprise me. But the so fact they say known coffee drinkers, stop playing with us. <laughs> so this is going to really let you know J.K. Rowling's thoughts on coffee. Oh, uh, God. Which, well, okay. I so, can die happy now. So the first mention I know what J.K. Rowling thinks of cappuccinos. <laughs> so the, the first mention of coffee Lattes. in the books is that the Dursleys really were known to drink a lot of coffee. The Dursley parents, uh, Petunia, and what's the dad's name? Not, uh, Badass? Yeah, fat guy. Uh, damn, it's not Arthur. What's, I can't remember the dad's name. Vernon. Uh, Vernon, yeah, yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. So Vernon and, and Petunia drank a lot of coffee. Then coffee yep. is not mentioned again until uh, book five. Yeah, book five, when Lord of the Phoenix. Del Dolores Umbridge offers Harry some coffee when he's in her office. Ah. She's going to interrogate him. Then the next time coffee is mentioned is, oh, I lied. It was mentioned the book before, book four, uh, Harry and Cho Chang drink coffee together before their disastrous date where they break up in the restaurant. Then it's mentioned book five when Dolores Umbridge offers Harry some coffee. And then it's mentioned in book six when Creature offers coffee to Harry, Ron, and Hermione when they're staying. Oh, so he offers them coffee right after they give him Regulus Black's locket. And those are the mentions of coffee within the Harry Potter series. So you notice a through line. I, I'm about to throw my coffee out. Yo, what the heck <laughs> you think of me, man? <laughs> yeah. It's, no, um, so it seems like coffee in either coffee, bad people, and or bad situations seem to run run together in the Harry Potter world. 
Yeah, it's very anti-coffee. I wonder who JK was hanging with, like, as she was coming up as a writer or just as a person. Like, every time she was at a coffee shop, people well, she were fucking wrote, over. She wrote the books in a coffee shop, right? So maybe she associates uh, mm. coffee with poverty or something or just having with to that work extreme hard. struggle. Yeah. That could that make that makes sense. I mean, maybe creature for creature coffee's on like the high end of, you know, it's a lot of workaholics drinking coffee. It's like Vernon and Petunia workaholics. Think about the personalities of those people. Yeah, and a a lot of shitty personalities are coffee drinkers too. Yeah, Dumbledore's not drinking coffee. He's drinking like peppermint schnapps at nine (laughs) a.m. He drinking Grindelwald bath water. Uh, he just has Fox fly in, bring a parcel back. Yeah, Nicholas Flamel's drinking his uh, his like immortality juice, and that's what Dumbledore's got Yo, right next. Yo, if him. they if they were rappers, Nicholas Flamel would be Little Wayne, and that cup would just be full of that. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, and Nicholas Flamel. Do you think it's fair to say that uh, that uh, J.K. Rowling views uh, coffee as uh, the trans people of liquids? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully her views uh, on both of Max Marcus right there. <laughs> At Max Marcus Comedy, if you uh, Hang on. Hell look, no. is this a statement about Jake? Look, JK is entitled to change her mind and join us in 2020 at any point, you know? At any point. At any point when JK would like to join the, um, the forward moving thinkers, we're here yeah. for you, JK. I want to make it clear. I think coffee's like gotten a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> <She> <laughs> Me too, but only in the morning. Don't I only say like, it to her. Only in the mornings for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just only like people in the morning. At night I'm spent. But uh I shit. My my morning starts whenever I wake up. So morning could be eight o'clock in the morning or five in the afternoon, depending. So uh so that's her, her stance on coffee. Um, should we should we go to Dumbledore? Anything else about coffee? You know what? The whole coffee thing, it was fun, but I'm ready to get off it. Okay. So for we're going to start with Dumbledore with the first three books. We're just going to pinpoint best decision, worst decision, and best magical moment. And So we'll start with book one. Um, let's start with best magical moment in book one. I know what I got, even though it's not like... You know, it's my favorite thing about Harry Potter is when something's introduced, like a new magical thing is introduced Mm -hmm. and it blows your mind. You can't believe how cool it is. And then you find out that it's just super normal, like the flu network, you know, like you're like, oh, my God, they can teleport anywhere. And that's just their subway. Like it doesn't even matter to them, you know. So, yeah, they're not they, they're not even thinking about it. If you saw it in real life, your head would explode. And they're like, bro, relax. Yeah. So for me, my favorite Dumbledore moment in book one is when he's sending all the letters. Like I just, it blew my mind that he just knows where they are and he's sending the letters to the right place. Like I still can't understand how you can just send a Patronus and it knows where to go. Like to me, anytime they had a missing kid in Harry Potter, they would just be like, follow my Patronus. The Patronus would just take them to the kid. But uh, yeah. Sending the letters to the Dursleys, no matter where they were. That was my favorite magical Dumbledore moment of book one. Okay. Max, you take it next. What was your favorite Dumbledore magical moment? Um, 
of the first book. Um, I'm not even sure. Maybe, um, yeah, I can't think of a good one for the first <laughs> book. So for me, and it's probably one of my favorite magical moments of him, period, but it was the introductory to um, magic and Harry Potter. It was first book and it was the first movie, The Deluminator, when he took the light out of the lanterns around um, Privet Drive or whatever. Mm. When him and McGonagall were going to leave Harry at the uh, Dursleys. To me, that was his coolest magical moment. Yeah. Because... I had never seen anything like that. And it was a it was a crazy visual because I was like, Harry Potter came out, what, 2000? Mm-hmm. So I'm seven. I would walk around the house just pointing at the light and stand by the <laughs> light switch and like cut it off. You know what I'm saying? So point, cut it off. That's it. That's amazing. I was very easily impressed. It was that, that or when he clapped and he did like this and the food appeared on the... Um, in the great hall on the tables. I don't give him credit for that. I think he just coordinated with Yo, you the house No, but the house elves <laughs> did all, he just clapped. I don't think he did a spell. I think he just clapped at the same time that the house elves got the their fingers. Yeah, yeah, they did all okay, that. Okay, fair enough. It's like when Kanye yeah, like yells some shit at his concert and then the pyrotechnics crew turns on the, the fire display. You should be a union rep, dog. Yeah, if I was at, I'd be right with Hermione as a house elf union rep for sure. Yeah, and I'd uh, be in the back with the house elves like, shut the fuck up, we like it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got for uh, best decision of book one? Dumbledore best okay. decision. For Dumbledore's best decision for book one, um, that's hard, bro, because I don't know. I don't know too many good decisions that he made in book one, if I'm being honest with you. I got one great one. One, um, his best decision in book one, given Neville the points that he gave Neville. Oh, that's such a good one. Cause I think that it, I think that it helped give Neville confidence. Cause it, it did stuff, stuff like that built Neville as a character for me. You know what I'm saying? Cause I always felt like, especially young, young, young me, I could identify with somebody like Neville to where Neville wasn't a main character per se, right? Like me, I was the coolest kid in school, but somewhere around the top 15, you feel like it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't really have a lot of confidence. You got a bully and what have you. So you're just trying to be yourself and trying to find your way, but you always seem to fall down over and over and over again. So to see that kid get some positive acknowledgement at the end of it all, and that positive acknowledgement helped push it over, that was dope for me. So I'll say that was his best decision because it helped build a great character. I I 100% agree with you. I think those points changed Neville's life. I think yeah. it's like without those points, I don't think Neville... His confidence only, would have never been able to build. Yeah. He's like a... I mean, he even has pettigrew potential without those without those points. Like, yeah, who man, knows think, what would have happened? Think about think about what would have happened. You got somebody like Harry Potter who's in your school, and if you're Neville, I wanted to Neville know about the prophecy I don't because think if he so. okay, because I was gonna say if he knew if he found out why his parents ended up the way they did, or that he was the other option, then it's already going to be fucked up. There's got to be a big resentment as opposed to, okay, in this case, I, I was the deal breaker. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of puts him right up there with Harry. He's not the most significant, but he doesn't have to feel insecure. And it gives them a reason to extend a hand. Agreed. Um, that's and Neville was like tragic in that book too. Nothing good happened to him until Dumbledore did that. Yeah, no, that was a, a huge deal for him. That's such a good one. Mine is uh, at the beginning of the book, my best decision is him sending Hagrid to go pick up Harry. Like to I me- I knew you were gonna say that. I had a feeling, yeah. Yeah, it's just such a good understanding of people to know that somebody like Hagrid needs purpose like this and somebody like Harry needs to be introduced to magic by somebody like Hagrid. Like, Excellent. To me, that just represents when Dumbledore was at his best and really thinking about things from other people's point of view rather than his own, he really makes some great personality choices and like people choices um, in regards to that. That might shock some people to hear that on this podcast, but yep, you just heard that about Dumbledore. Well, my worst decision is another people choice that is unforgivable. And that we might have the same one. Uh, Mine is um, him hiring. Yeah. Hold on. Max. Did you have it? Oh, wait, no. Max said he didn't have too much for the first book on Dumbledore. Okay. So we going into worst decisions now? Yeah. Mine's hiring Quirrell. Yeah. It's just unforgivable. Like, how are you, first of all, how are you going to hire this weasel even if he doesn't have Voldemort in the back of his head? Like, who wants a power hungry? Like, just you know, he's called like the uh, the first. What's what's the term that people call uh, you know, mm. like people that blog in their parents' basements and stuff? Like, oh, oh, incels. Yeah, he's like called the first incel online and stuff. Ironically, but uh, yeah, how that kind of guy with that kind of personality should just never be a teacher. Nothing good can happen. Like, if he doesn't have Voldemort in the back of his head. He tries to date Penelope Clearwater or some other weird shit. You know? Yeah, Quirrell, Quirrell was just off, fam. It was something about Quirrell. Is, Quirrell felt less scrupulous than Barty Crouch Jr. You know what I yeah. mean? He just felt slimy. And I don't know if that's from the book portrayal or if it's from the movie portrayal. But one or the other, I don't know if it's like the st- 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 stuttering Professor Quirrell. It creeped me out. It yeah. creeped me out. If y'all ever watched Courage the Cowardly Dog, there was a character on that show it was in the shaving or whatever. Yeah. And he like shaved courage bald and he talked real weird. That's what Quirrell always reminded me Dude, that me of. show was so creepy. The idea that that show was allowed for like seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds could watch Courage the Cowardly Dog. That show was probably, most of my nightmares are in that like animated style of Courage the Cowardly Man, Dog. If y'all, if y'all don't know what we're talking about, please, I implore you. <laughs> go look up an episode of courage the cowardly dog i apologize if you hear um sirens in the background fire the fire the fire department's doing their job you know what i'm saying so if you hear if you hear some sirens in the background applaud new york city's fire department huh? <laughs> <laughs> but well, um yeah. it's yeah. a mat i mean courage the cowardly dog is like another one of cartoon networks is low-key masterpieces like one of its finest shows dexter powerpuff girls Samurai Jack to me is like the pinnacle one, but like Courage the Cowardly Dog, the only criticism is, you know, it should it should be on like HBO. <laughs> I bet, I bet I've never done like a dose of mushrooms where you can see shit, but if I do, that's the show I'm gonna watch. And Max, I'm gonna call don't, you because you're probably gonna have to save me. <laughs> don't, no. Like, watch that shit. 
Mushrooms feel like the opposite of Courage the Cowardly Dog because that show just makes you feel like the apocalypse is coming and you're in the middle of no- it's That show felt like the beginning of every zombie movie. Hilarious. So to the um, worst decision that I think he made, honestly, I think one of the worst decisions Dumbledore made was to leave Harry with the Dursleys. I think that was one of the worst decisions mm-hmm. he made. And I know the reason why he made it, but I still think he could have been a lot more strategic than that. I think you could have raised Harry right at Hogwarts, dog, and trained Harry to be a lot smarter than what he ended up being, a lot more magically competent. It would have been a lot harder for people to get to him, and he could have grew up with some actual love. You know yeah. what I'm saying? As opposed to, again, I, I was thinking about this today because I give the cursed child so much shit on why Harry was a bad father. But now it kind of makes sense. Think about the foundation. Oh, true. Yeah, talk about about the foundation. Like we we talk about how much love Molly Weasley and the Weasleys gave Harry. But that was after most of his life being treated like shit. Now, imagine being treated like shit. And now in this other world, you're a celebrity. Right. The love kind of. It has to feel a little bit fake, especially when you realize that, yo, even my teachers are trying to kill me. Yeah. So I wonder what Harry Potter could have been if he would have grown up in magic around people that actually had love for him. But then you wonder, like, how long was Quirrell working at um, Hogwarts before um, Harry showed up? Oh, wait, no, it's a one year job. So he just got there that year. Yeah. So Harry could have been raised with fairly no um no problem on Hogwarts grounds. Yeah, that's true. No, he yeah, he, he could have been raised at Hogwarts. Now, do you think though that that would be like just a little bit of how many other secrets did Dumbledore keep? So you want Dumbledore to like raise him as the surrogate parent in the He doesn't have to do it himself, but again. Think about the think about what they Dumbledore did more for Lupin than he did for Harry as far as looking out for how he could end up mentally by how he set things up. Right. So for Lupin, he put Lupin in the space where Lupin could have friends and be positive and become the Lupin that we ended up getting. Right. Despite all the bullshit Lupin went through. You get Harry. He put Harry in a situation where you're really testing the sides of this kid, right? The Voldemort that's in Harry didn't really come out, and that's good, but it kind of should have. Yeah. Considering how he was being treated. For sure. Harry not lashing out doesn't really make sense. I guess it just speaks to the good inherent. How pure his heart is, right? Yeah. I guess they're, that's like part of the argument so I guess in the world of Harry Potter, there's these characters that are environmental. Like you look at Pettigrew and Snape are two characters. But do they look as bored as Max looks right now? <laughs> well, so you got these environmental characters that can be good in an environment or evil in an environment, depending on the variables. And then you have other characters like you would, I guess, put Harry and Hermione on the good side. Mm-hmm. And you could maybe put uh, Voldemort on the evil side of characters who are going to be good or evil, no matter what kind of environment they're put in. Right. Fair I mean, you have Karkaroff who went from being like, you know, 
a hate, like a, a violent hate monger to a principal and was like, you know, he wasn't a great principal, but he was, you know, he probably had less casualties at his school than Dumbledore had during the same time period. Fair enough. Fair enough. But he was still everything that you mentioned. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was still a hate mongering. He was a hate mongering coward. Dude, who sends their kid to Durmstrang? That is a, that's another thing we could really dig into. But I wonder, is, is Durmstrang all that bad? Because again, knowledge in particular isn't bad. It's about what you do with it. Right? Yeah, but if the principal of the school was Steve Bannon and you send your yes, kid there. true, true. Okay. <laughs> or or Takashi. I, I mean, yeah, this school is run by Takashi 69 It's like, well, at least these kids are going to learn how to get YouTube views. I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You're, as soon as you said I'm like, yeah, I, Sometimes Will's 100% right. By the way, I forgot this. I had another Harry Potter comp. I did the Hagrid uh, Gucci Mane thing. I have another Harry Potter comp for uh, Gucci Mane. Tell me what you think of this one. Shoot. Molly Weasley. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, dog. Well, think about it. Like Molly, you wouldn't think of Molly as like somebody who's seeking out violence, but she killed the fuck out of Bellatrix. Well, Well, yeah, 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 kind of. Kind of. Yeah, you're right. It's like, well, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have did what you did. No also, choice. you know Molly would have gave Arthur Weasley two million just because he stuck around. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. I Fact. love that lyric. I love it. I gave my bitch two million because she stuck around. I love that lyric. Uh awesome move. All right. Yeah. So what's the next thing with um Dumbledore? So we've done best decision, yep. worst decision. And That's best magical, magical moment. Yeah, it's on to book two. So we're going to do the first three books today mm-hmm. and the second three books next time we do the podcast. And spoiler alert, uh, Dumbledore is not in book seven. I mean, he kind of is, but not really. <laughs> Fair. So I'm going to pour me another cup of coffee and you start off on your favorite things that cool. he did in book two and whatnot. And I'll be right, right back. Cool. So my favorite magical moment of, uh, of book two, this is kind of a cheat because... It doesn't happen in the present, but when they go back in time and you see Tom Riddle pinning uh, Hagrid, like the Chamber of Secrets on Hagrid, Mm -hmm. you know Dumbledore must have done some dope magic in terms of like tapping into Hagrid's memory and stuff like that in order to prove Hagrid's innocence at that time. Um, Because Hagrid, you know, he gets his wand broken stuff, but he doesn't have to go to Azkaban or anything. So... That's what I'm going with for my favorite magical moment of book two from Dumbledore. Okay. Max, what you got on that? Um, I don't know if this would really count because he's like not really there for a lot of it, but I would give it to um, him just for sending um, Fox and like the sorting hat. I know that's that's like kind of Harry, kind of Fox, but I feel like it's engineered by Dumbledore. I feel like he probably sent Fox down there. So I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable enough giving that to giving that to Dumbledore. I mean, Dumbledore is the one giving Fox his bird food every day, and he's the one keeping that hat around. You know, people are trying to get them to do a different system, like yeah. choose your own house, some anything. You know, the progressives at Hogwarts are trying to get rid of the hat the way that like we're trying to get rid of the Electoral College right now, and they're using like Pettigrew as an example. Pettigrew's like their. Uh, they're Ohio or something. Yeah. Do you think any parents complained? Like, wait, so the thing that you use to sort our kids into their houses at 11 can just a sword <laughs> can fall out of it? 
<laughs> yeah, it's dangerous <laughs> as fuck. They're just... like, why does that do both? <laughs> Yo, ma- wait, say that again. That like, do you think any parents have heard about it and got upset that like, oh, that thing you put on our like eleven year old kids' heads to sort them, a sword also just falls out of it sometimes. It's like, yeah, well, just every now and again. That's so you think funny. if you're if you're a Ravenclaw, the tiara can fall out. Like you put on the hat and then you got another Whoa. hat underneath. That's an interesting question. But you know what? When you talk about parents complaining, I guarantee you that the Patil parents complain. I'm just I'm just saying. Those parents were like, how are you going to put the two daughters in jail? You know, those two, the parents treated the kids like they were exactly the same their entire childhood. And then they get to Hogwarts and they get put into different houses. You know, they're on the phone like, no, I want both of them in the same house. Same house. Same house. So they can, so they can keep an eye on each other, huh? Yeah. All right. So best magical moment for Dumbledore in book two. I think y'all took it, man. I think y'all took it. I can't really think of too much magic that he did in book two outside of sending um, Fox and the sorting hat. So, yeah, that might be it. Yeah, that- he has a he has a quieter book two. Like he's more behind the scenes in book two than any other book. Uh, Yo, I makes- wish the actor that played him originally would have lived long enough to get the book three. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe yeah. if he would have got to play him the whole way through, that would have been excellent. But if he could have got the book three, that would have been dope. Because even that laid back kind of Dumbledore in the movie, that character had the perfect tone for it. And Michael mm-hmm. Gavin, that's his name, right? That ended up playing mm-hmm. him. Yeah. He was great. But again, he just was like so sinister as Dumbledore. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Way more sinister than um the first actor. God rest his soul. So... For the same reason, I think that Great Decisions is a little bit more difficult. But there's also, even though Dumbledore's behind the scenes, there's so many different bad there's decisions. A plethora of worse decisions here. So let's let's try to do some some best decisions. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm trying to think of of any. Oh, for book two. Um, hmm. One second. Let me let me. Uh, Check on the baby, and I'll I'll be right. Oh, your kid, bro. Cool. I can handle it for a minute. So I'm gonna jump into his worst decision for book two. For me, the worst thing he did in book two was hire Lockhart because you were going way you were going through, through way too much at the time. Even if you would have fired Lockhart in the middle of the year, that would have made more sense to me than letting this idiot run around Hogwarts and you have a basilisk going about the school petrifying kids, dog. But yeah. you would think that would be enough for a teacher to go, you know what? Defense against the dark arts is going to be real important, like, right now. So I could finish this gag out next year. Bring Lockhart back if things cool off. But for right now, maybe I should send him home before he gets some kids killed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you start to think then the curse of um... – the defense against dark arts teacher is it that it's actually cursed or is dumbledore just really bad at hiring new teachers it could be that dog dumbledore could, dumbledore could just be real regretful and be telling them that it's cursed why can't anybody keep this job i don't, I don't know Voldemort cursed the shit out this job. <laughs> meanwhile it's just like no you you just not doing background checks dumbledore that's all it is bro yeah you've put like no effort into this it's just like i mean it's like Voldemort's in the back of that at one one of them's a serial liar and like probably a creep then it's like, even though Lupin's cool, he's a werewolf. It's like he's a werewolf. 
It's like, yo, he can't be the gym teacher, bro. The fourth book, he's like the greatest wizard. He doesn't even realize someone's using polyjuice potion. Hilarious. It, yo, that's another thing. That's he's pretty hands off. Wizard. Why can't you lift this curse on the defense against the dark arts <laughs> position, bro? Dumbledore should be sitting there with his feet up, playing with Fox, like, ah, long day, Fox, long day. What, what can a man do when you've done everything? You can lift that curse on the fence against the dark arts. Nah, <laughs> then they're going to get tenured and I got to pay them more. Yeah. I mean, Umbridge is the only one that was kind of out of his hands. And that one was bad, too. But I feel like Umbridge is the only one where it wasn't Dumbledore, like, just doing a bad job picking the teacher. That's why he was tight, because it wasn't. <laughs> that's why he was pissed. Yeah. It wasn't his bad job. He like, look, if you're going to fuck up my school, at least let me be the one to hire you. <laughs> At least he walking down like I hired Barty Crouch Junior. I hired Quirrell. If anybody's gonna mess up my school, it's gonna be me. As Flitwick is embroidering his robes. You know, Dumbledore points to the Remus Lupin hiring the way M Night Shyamalan points to Sixth Sense. Like (laughs) you want to bring up all the bad movies, and he's like, "Yeah, but what about Remus Lupin? That shit. You know, it blindsided you when he was a werewolf at the end of it. That blew your mind. He was Mm -hmm. the best teacher you ever had." Best teacher you ever had. And y'all ain't know <laughs> until Snape snitched. What do you put for best decision? Because I got one. Um, for his best decision that he made. Um, so in book two, I don't I don't really I don't really know. It's it's hard for me. Go ahead, go with yours first. Give me a second. So I'm gonna say him really going to bat for Harry at the beginning in regards to uh when Harry uh, Harry blows up Aunt Marge, right? Is that no? That's book three. Book two is them crashing the flying car into the Whomping Willow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they could have gotten oh, in a lot yeah. more trouble for that. And if they had, then Harry probably gets expelled at some point. Like that not being on Harry's permanent record, and you know Dumbledore massaging that situation, making sure it goes away, and then you know there was other parents that were like, get rid of the Whomping Willow. Why do we still have it? So him keeping the Whomping Willow and also making sure Harry didn't get in any trouble, I would say that's the best decision of book two for him. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't, and that's better than what I was going to come up with. Um, I think him instilling in the kids what ended up being true. There's always help at Hogwarts for those who ask for Mm -hmm. it. I think that was his best decision, you know, because it ended up, it ended up being true and it showed that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be here for you to be protected. Like I got you even when I don't got you. Yeah. But no, by that, far that's the first a great decision, you missed is, it. Tyron uh, Lockhart for that year. Book two, when Dumbledore has Harry come into his office and he watches Fox reincarnate. Is that the same yeah, one? I think, I think so. so. Yeah. I think that would be the best decision just to like mm-hmm. let Harry see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of create some rapport with Fox before sending it off to him uh, in the chamber. Yeah, yeah, because it must be weird seeing a phoenix, you know, flying in with a hat sword for the first time. Yeah, That's... you'd be like, who is that? It's either, So I think that was good. Yeah. That's a yeah, good it's probably point. not a good idea to attack a phoenix. So yeah. That that's a really good point because when they do have to fight the basilisk, it feels like they have instant chemistry. But it was Dumbledore who made sure that you know they they knew each other a little bit. He he made the intro. 
Yeah, because it could have just been like I'm dealing with a snake now. There's this like phoenix. Like what? <laughs> what else? Yeah, could go wrong? carrying this odd talking hat. Dr. Seuss looking long beaked bird. Yeah, Harry, if Harry didn't know about phoenixes, he'd just be like, oh, he might have seen the sword and tried to kill both of them. And then, you know, kills <laughs> the, Fox three times. Meanwhile, the basilisk is in the corner, like the hats, are yelling you? at him, like, yo, it's all on your side. <laughs> <laughs> chill, Harry, chill. Uh, and I so, think the, oh, go for it. I was going to say, just uh, deny my worst out there. I think the worst decision was probably to actually leave when people are like, Hey, shit's going down. You should get out of here. I feel like he could have like put his foot down and be like, this is the worst time for me to leave. I think that he was just like willing to go when like Lucius Malfoy thought he should go. It's just like, yeah, that's not, don't, don't do that. Yeah. That's a great one. Letting all the kids, letting the basilisk attack person after person. Go for it, Nico. When he didn't, when he let Lucius almost kill Harry, that was ridiculous. (laughs) That was absolutely ridiculous. I feel like Dumbledore, Dumbledore's nosy enough and has enough portraits just around the school where somebody could have told him, or I feel like his hearing should be good enough that he should have heard Avada could, he should have heard that. He should have heard yeah. Lucius hit the ground after Dobby blasted him and went to go see what it was. Considering that we all know Lucius is a Death Eater. You know he's a Death Eater, Dumbledore. Lucius benefits more from white privilege than anyone else in the wizarding community to go yeah. all the way three quarters through a vada Kedarva and not even catch a case off of it no case nobody yo nobody showed up and it was meanwhile, the, the portraits almost watched them kill harry meanwhile the same guy that did lucius's cane is the same guy that did lil wayne's gun <laughs> <laughs> That's the clip. <laughs> That's the so clip. Uh, my worst decision is less significant than all of your guys, but it always bugged me. Why did there is why does there need to be a giant spider population in the Forbidden Forest? They don't benefit anybody. They destroy the entire ecosystem. There's just gonna be a hundred thousand spiders in the for- because ha- because Hagrid had a. They're not like indigenous. Hagrid had a pet. 50 years ago that got away and now there's a hundred thousand spiders just they probably ate more unicorns than quarrel they're just in the forbidden forest no wonder the centaurs hate wizards yeah yeah and it's like for all the good hagrid did he basically he's he's responsible for a lot of death in the forbidden just shit talking spiders they're just like normal spiders their only magical thing is they can insult you before they eat you and and see, I'm, I I would have been all with eradicating them. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I hate spiders. I hate spiders. Me too, man. I never, They're not even after flies. They're killing. Yeah. I never thought about that though. It's like Haggard's getting like uh, blame for like this giant snake. He goes, No, no, that's not me. I'm the spider. <laughs> no, I'm guy. killing unicorns. <laughs> nah, baby, I'm killing unicorns. The centaurs are dying because of me. Dude, that's why Buckbeak never came back. It's like. I want to go to a place with no spiders. <laughs> yeah, I got to. I got to have Aragog as a friend. This eight-eyed. <laughs> no wonder Grop was so mad. It's like every night when he goes to sleep, a hundred thousand spiders run over him. Oh. Like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. No, I. I get rid Hagrid should have been. It should have been put in prison for that. <laughs> nah, nah. Because now that I'm thinking about it, if the spy, if Aragog wasn't indigenous. And he just bought it there and it, yo, they weren't even on Hogwarts side, were they? No, they were just trying to eat any mammal. 
Hagrid should be in prison, bro. <laughs> Yo, Hagrid should be locked up right now. Dude, I hope Blast Ended Screw it, eat spiders. I mean, th- and those spiders, it's not like they were, you know, creating spider webs, killing mosquitoes or whatever. They're just shit-talking, mammal-eating spiders. Did they eat Death Eaters or they were eating everyone? Every, they didn't go for a single death. They, they let Delum, Dolores Umbridge live after the centaurs got her when she was just passed out in the woods. They didn't try to eat her, but, you know, fifth grade Ron Weasley. And they're also about bullies. to eat Harry. Yeah, they're going to eat Ron and Harry, but they let Umbridge. If they had eaten Lumbridge, OK, that's worth maybe 50,000 spiders. But no, they let Umbridge live. Wow. We all right. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Y'all killed it. So, well, there's so many bad decisions in book in book two. And that one's kind of on Hagrid, but it's also on Dumbledore because he knows about him. Like he knows that that spider ran out into the woods. And how do you not know that there's 100,000 spiders in the woods? He also knows that Harry has to die. Dumbledore's cold blooded, bro. That's true. Yeah, maybe he was like planning for the spiders to get a Death Eater. If Dumbledore look at Harry like you going to be dead soon. <laughs> one of these days, kid. Who is? I wonder how he's gonna be when he find out. <laughs> <laughs> so, book three, uh, best magical moment of book yeah. three for Dumbledore. Um, okay, I can. If I'm gonna pinpoint one thing for book three, hmm. I I think that. Uh, when when's the first time is that the first time so Dumbledore's Patronus is a phoenix that's pretty cool that's something um trying to think of other moments in book three where Dumbledore did something really I mean giving them the time turner is pretty cool Mm -hmm. that's something for me too I I like showing up with the time turner I mean actually I don't know because I kind of hate I, I, the time turner works in book three. I actually love the time turner in book three. You just they set the it up. of it all. Yeah. I don't like it in uh, Cursed Child, but mm. I really, in book three, the way they set it up with Hermione and they also make it so, you know, it makes it kind of seem unappealing. Mm-hmm. And I, I also, my other thing with the time turner is, you know how you can you should only be able to turn it back a certain number of times like you shouldn't be able to turn it infinity times like if you could only go back right because like for all that go back and save harry's parents yeah you should only be able to go back like a month tops or something or even 48 hours or something maybe they you can only go back 48 hours and now it's like a cop movie harry potter movie time turner movie shit they they could have killed them i mean could have killed voldemort that way yeah, because then wouldn't Voldemort just get a time turner and kill Dumbledore as a baby? I mean, like, or if you're if you're Dumbledore, after you put the ring on, just go back. You know you. Just go back and tell yourself, hey, yo, homie, don't put that on. Dog. Dumbledore is so <laughs> stubborn, he probably would. He would just put that shit right back on. It'd be like Rick and Morty, where the old Rick and the new Rick are just, like, not in sync with each other at all. That's funny. Dumbledore looking at him like... Imposter, <laughs> put that shit on. But oh, hmm. all right. Uh, I don't have a best magical moment for Dumbledore in book um three. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to jump straight to my worst thing that he did. Oh, I I got another one. I just thought of. Um, okay, shoot. Dumbledore saving Harry during the Quidditch match. Because remember, Harry Dementor shrub. Harry oh, falls. Right, right. Dumbledore catches him midair. 
That's it's pretty cool. Like I know it's probably easy for him, but to catch a falling person midair is always a cool thing. Like every Marvel movie, you got to catch somebody midair, and uh, Dumbledore yeah. doing that at the Quidditch match that was cool to me. And he he didn't cause any whiplash or anything like that. So yeah, 100%. and my favorite Harry moment of that whole book is when Harry does expecto patronum on Draco when he's dressed as a Dementor. That was so fun. That's great. Um. For me, the worst thing that he did in book three was that he was way too hands off in the meeting at um, Hogsmeade or wherever, wherever they were, not Hogsmeade, the Shrieking Shack. Yeah. He was way too hands off. He should have been there. Agreed. He should have been there. Under no circumstance should he have let it go, go down like that. And he should have stuck, he should have stuck up for Sirius Black. Yeah. Especially... The way Dumbledore talked to Fudge always bothered me because on the one hand, he was so passive, but on the other hand, he was so condescending. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, if he had bridged that relationship in any way, it would have benefited everybody. And he was just stubborn. I mean, Dumbledore is just stubborn. Yeah. Dumbledore is that powerful person that's like, yeah, see, I know your position's higher than mine, but I need you to understand. You don't mean shit here. Yeah, I'm shit. I'm 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 above you here. I think it's that. I think it was the obsession with that, and that's why homie never, him and Fudge never connected. Cause Fudge was like, I'm the master of magic, and I'm was like, but I'm me. Yeah, and I think that was the problem they always had, and why when Dumbledore was actually making sense about Voldemort, why Fudge thought, oh no, you're just trying to get my job. Yeah, Dumbledore also has the thing, um, which I feel like. Pusher T has a little bit of like, he would just rather be enemies with somebody than be friends. Like not like violent enemies, but he just, he's very comfortable being on bad terms with people and he kind of gets a kick out of it. Cause it's like, what you gonna do? Yeah. What you gonna do? You gonna scare me? You're not. Yeah, you're not, you're not coming down to Virginia. <laughs> yeah, it's not even that. It's like he said when him and Wayne were going back and forth. It's like, you can have a gun. The only person you've shot is you. <laughs> you can rap about how you want to shoot me off. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. You're a rich kid. That's how you are. You ain't shooting shit. And guess what? He right. Wayne still has his shoulders above him. But he's right. 100%. And Pusha T yeah. is a fucking monster. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all know so, Pusha T, it's a rapper. Look him up. So my worst moment for Dumbledore for that book, mm-hmm. uh, he knew that Pettigrew was alive. He knew it. He pretended he didn't. He kept that secret. I don't know if it's it like, was why? out of guilt. Why did he keep it secret? I think it's like he believes in destiny. Like, I just think that's a big thing with him. That's interesting. Things will work out the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. If I try to influence it too much, maybe I mess up destiny. Like, but yeah. Nah, he's, he's too much of an egomaniac for that. So you don't just get the elder wand and keep it feeling that way. I'd say that might be more Harry. And I would, uh, I think he at least could have given Harry more information so that when Harry saw Pettigrew's name on the Marauders map and stuff like that. Oh, that's another good decision. Just getting the Marauders map into Harry's hands was a very good decision. I guess Fred and George did, but you know, the Dumbledore had a role in it. But if Dumbledore has something to do with that, that's very irresponsible. You should have <laughs> kept that at all times. Yeah. You are McGonagall, because I feel like if McGonagall saw Peter Pettigrew's name on the map, 
yeah. a lot more could have been done. Dumbledore could have done a way better job of divulging that secret of Pettigrew still being alive in bits and pieces where somebody could have figured it out at some but point. Why does it have to be in bits and pieces? Yeah, no, well, I mean, That's now the we're problem. talking about That's the problem. He's Dumbledore. Is that it's in bits and pieces. You got McGonagall, Fudge, they sitting around like a <laughs> bunch of old women gossiping and shit. So y'all know that that Peter Pettigrew, he the reason they, he the reason Harry's parents are dead. He, but he was a great, great person. Yo, Dumbledore knows that this man is still out there. That's true. No, it's if you it's form your people, they can do they can make positive oh I dropped my fork. They can make positive decisions <laughs> that influence the world around you. How much how much safer would Hogwarts have been if McGonagall would have had the Marauders map? Or if Snape would have had it. Yeah. No, it's uh it's the best magic that James Potter ever does is the Marauders map. By far. It's the maybe the only impressive thing, James, besides being a great Quidditch player, only impressive thing. I mean, Lily, oh, Lily hold on. I can't let you do that. I hate James Potter, but what? Lily was bad, bro. Well, okay. I'm saying magic. Well, I guess, I mean, I don't think that he, James got Ain't Lily at all because all of his magic. People in relationships, yeah, it's different kind of magic. Do you think <laughs> that James's magical ability affected Lily wanting to be with him at all? Um, I don't know. I think Lily, from the way that they wrote Lily Potter, probably at a certain point, but I don't think it really mattered because Snape is super talented in magic. I think it was more a personality thing. And I think they made yeah, that clear. Because so. she didn't, at the top of it, she hated James Potter. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, think it was also, an thing. That's kind of a move in school, though. It's yeah. kind of and a she move. was probably more talented than he was in magic. So, oh, for sure. I doubt it. He probably appreciate, you know how some women are. They appreciate the thing that you specialize in. Yeah. Right. So I did a couple girls. They don't shit. I talk shit so much. Right. <laughs> so my perspective, they'll get tired of quick, but they be like, oh, I, I like it the way you work for your um, craft or what have you. Right. Yeah. You appreciate your dedication to that one thing. Who do you think Lily would have been into from Harry's class? If um, Lily got dropped into that Gryffindor, or maybe it's not a Gryffindor, who do you think? I mean, I definitely see the Draco, but like Snape's such a better wizard than Draco, but mm -hmm. there is some similarities with personality there too. Uh, Cedric Diggory. You think so? That'd be so funny. Because if we, if we talking about, um, this is a person that ended up with James Potter. So I guess you would say who's most like James and we can't put it with Harry. That would just be weird. Yeah. You know? I was leaning towards Neville initially because I think Neville oh, okay. has some James qualities, but then also some so much like qualities. Snape, though. Yeah, yeah like, but the difference is the, the good heartedness. Like, True. in theory, Neville's True. like never going to let you down and hang out with some Death Eaters. True. 100%. I agree with you. But I think Cedric, I think that's that's actually like a, a strong candidate as well. Like she would have been into Cedric, especially the just the dangerous side. I think with James Sirius and or James uh, Severus and uh, Lily seemed fun, fam. Yeah, she no, she's great. Fun. She seemed like that girl with the nice heart that if you made a messed up joke, she'd laugh at it. But as she's laughing at it, she's telling you like that's so wrong. She's who Jenny thought she was. Lily's who Jenny thought she was. <laughs> 
Yo, I don't know. We gotta do a deep dive into Jenny, or just like you do a Patreon episode of the, of uh, about Jenny. Just me being negative. There's gotta be somebody out there that's like, no, uh, I'll, I'll come in and defend Jenny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll come in and defend Jenny. Uh, do we have anything else on this particular segment? Uh, just the best decision for Dumbledore in book three. Um, the best decision that he made. We got some strong candidates. We got him hiring Lupin. We got him uh, letting Buckbeak get away with the time turner, that kind of stuff. Um, nah. I'm trying to think of some other stuff. And he let Harry and Hermione be the ones go to save Sirius. I think that was the best decision he made because it gave Harry and Sirius that moment. Yeah. So where they could talk for a little bit. It gave Harry that moment of, because I do think it was really irresponsible to send just the two of them, even though you trusted them. You probably should have went with them. You know what I mean? Just because they're kids and they're going up against, I don't know, a thousand Dementors that you should have probably set up more protection around the school to keep the Dementors at bay too. Yeah. Like, okay, I understand they got a patrol, but Patrol a little further out. Oh, that's my worst decision, by the way. I want to change whatever I had. Mm-hmm. Him letting the Dementors be at the school. I know that it, it, it does a good job of setting up Dementors for the rest of the series, like as a literary device. Mm-hmm. But that, that's almost as inexcusable as the spiders. Like, that's, it's, it's just as inexcusable. Yo, oh my God. Every I moved my kid to Durmstrengs. If there were spiders oh. and Dementors. Quirrell in the first book. The Spiders in the second book, the Dementors in the third book, Barty Crouch Jr. in the fourth book. My God. Yeah. Yeah, no. In the fifth book, Dolores Umbridge. Uh, yeah, in that's not his book, fault, though. That's not his fault, but I mean, bro, come on. Oh, I got, for my best decision, I got... himself away with phoenixes and shit. I got, I got another best decision that... Uh, I mean, it's, it happens before the third book, but it really gets highlighted. So... Him hiring Trelawney and then forcing people like Harry, Hermione, and Ron to take that class, making that class mandatory. I just think it's so good for a certain kind of student at Hogwarts to have a class that they're, that's difficult for them, even though it's difficult because the teacher's crazy. But still, I just think it's good to have that kind of artsy, weird class so that all of those like logical kids have something that they struggle with because I think adversity is good for kids. A hundred percent. And it gave them, that was the one class where they all got to learn a lot more about themselves. Right. Hermione got to learn that. Yeah. Uh, here's, here you go. Here's something you suck at. Yeah. Right? And Ron had like a decent talent in it, which made Hermione go, not only am I not the smartest, but this person could be better at me than something. Ron was accidentally amazing. I remember he'd be like, I see the grim and yeah, everyone he got somebody's future. Right. But yeah, it was literally like serious and stuff. So maybe Ron, I w- that would be an interesting wrinkle is like, does Ron have the touch to see in the future? And is that just something that he has that he just has no idea that he has in the series? Like, is Ron just having dreams where the stuff that's going to happen in the series happens. And then he just wakes up from his dreams and he's, he's such an oblivious guy that he doesn't even realize that he is seeing into the future almost on a nightly basis. Like Ron's just in the dark about his own ability to, to be a prophet. 
They never really did too much with that either. That would have been a good little flip with Ron, have him like, really <laughs> develop that skill. Just like at the end of book seven, Ron's like, oh, this is kind of like that dream I had a month back. And Hermione's like, wait, so you knew about the Battle of Hogwarts for a month and you didn't tell anybody. And Ron's all, he's like eating something. And he's like, yeah, well, you know. Think about how that would torment Ron if that was the case. Like if he foresaw one of his oh. dying. Yo, yeah, that's true. That would be a crazy plot twist. Well, that's something they kind of hint at in The Cursed Child and just on Pottermore and stuff is like all of the trauma that Ron gets throughout the series, it hurts him a little bit. Like he never fully bounces back from it. Right. Certainly not but, like Harry. Yeah. But should he and would you? Yeah. The kid's been through a lot, all things considered. But this is something that I wanted to do for the um, deep dive into Dumbledore, right? When you look at the personality of the, of the character, if you had to do a wrap up and describe him in a paragraph, what would yours be? So for me, if I had to describe Dumbledore, I'd say complicated. Um, I because he was right. He ended up being correct. The way that he got there, I don't agree with. I don't agree with letting Harry struggle the way that he let Harry struggle. I think leaving Harry with the Dursleys was irresponsible. I think letting other people just be chess pieces, the way he let them be chess pieces, kind of makes them a little bit brutal, in my opinion. And I thought he was really light on people like Voldemort, people like Peter Pettigrew, people that he should have punished a lot more severely. I thought he was pretty light on. But maybe that could comes from having the wisdom of knowing how to handle something. Maybe he's so experienced that it's like, well, look, I got to be hands off because if I'm too hands on, I know what it'll do to me and I'll become the enemy. So maybe that's just foresight for him or it was just that bad decision making of I'm going to keep my hands off and let the chips fall what they may. Because like you said earlier, he might just believe in fate. Dumbledore is complicated. It's a brilliant character. I think he's flawed and he's made some horrible decisions without really considering how they affect others. Yeah, I think for me, my thing would be he's an unnecessary risk taker. Like everything he does, it's it's like there's so many moving parts and it's almost like Dumbledore would rather make his job a little bit more difficult to see if he can figure a way out of it, like a Mission Impossible character or something like that where there's a easier path, a more sensible path, and a path that still gets everybody to their end goal. Like if our goal yeah. as the side of good in Harry Potter is righteousness and progress, then if Dumbledore were to be transparent and really train these kids to fight Voldemort and do it in a straightforward way, they still get to the same endpoint of having grown and making the world a better place and all of that stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of unnecessary risks taken. And to me, those, t those risks are taken kind of selfishly to make things more interesting for himself and to test his own intelligence, you know, at the expense of everyone around him. A hundred, a hundred. I put in the um, chat just now that there's something about Dumbledore. I feel like he cares a little bit more sometimes about being right than he does about the safety of the people around him. And that's one of the that's one of the things about the character that I think is really a dope quality. 
because at the end of the day, you're gonna praise you're gonna praise Dumbledore regardless. Yeah. And in a sick way, I think that's how he wanted it. Because even yeah. in the end, look at the trophies he got. Harry named his kids after Dumbledore. That's true. I mean, Dumbledore is a little bit like a good guy Magneto in some ways. Boom. In oh. that he doesn't want anybody to suffer. He wants everybody to do great, but he still wants there to be this superiority index that's based around magical he ability. Wa- and he wants to be the leader. Definitely. Yeah. And he's he at the top. And it's almost brutal how he gets there. Yeah, well, but he doesn't want... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to be, like, the leader because of his leadership qualities. He wants to be the leader because he's the most revered and kind of worshipped. He, mm-hmm. he, he and Voldemort want similar things. The difference is that they want them in com- a completely different capacity. Yes. Dumbledore's Kanye if Kanye never does two-hour seminars. Yeah. Yeah. Dumbledore is definitely... So Dumbledore's Kanye, and then I don't know who Voldemort would be. You don't know. Come on. You know who Voldemort could be, dog. Come on, man. As a rapper? I'm trying to think of who... Who... uh, I mean, don't say... I don't think... Jay-Z is fair. No, you said, no, no way. I don't think so at all. I think if anything, Jay-Z is more, hmm, if I were to compare Jay-Z to a Harry Potter character, that's a, I don't think it's, it's Voldemort. Man, you really think so? Stab un in the stomach, man. That's true. In the, in the stomach or the back? Um, I don't know. I it, was that him that um, stabbed? Yeah. It was the guy named Un, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if the song that I heard was correct, apparently. Yeah. No, he's even said, yeah, man, that's. DMX and his stories about being shelled because homie had to get to the top. Okay. I think Again, certain personalities don't look. Voldemort in other, in other positions might not be a murderer. If you really, if you really push me on it. I think I would. I mean, the easy one is Suge, but I think I would go with Puffy. I think Puffy is my. Oh, OK. Um, to me, Jay, Jay is more like, hmm. I, he, see, he's not like serious because he's too he's too like thoughtful. He's strategic and alive and alive. Yeah. No, he's not like McGonagall because he definitely puts himself first, uh, but he cares about people, too. Slow a little home. bit like James. I mean, but he's more he's smarter than James. He's like, I mean, I keep going back to Harry. I keep circling back to Harry for Jay-Z. Okay. I think he's Harry because I think like at the end of the day, Harry wasn't letting Yo, anybody. We, hit, we hitting him with the time on this one. How long we been going, by the way? Yeah, this, uh, this hour one, 13. Hour 13? We'll, we'll sort our last guy after this. I mean. Nah, shit, we don't got to. So for I think he's like Harry because as good as Harry is, his defining flaw is he's not really letting anyone else outshine him. I mean, Harry wants to martyr himself himself in way that Jay-Z, Jay-Z's not really trying to be a martyr. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, the thing they have in common is they got to be the star of the thing. And, yeah. you know. J- Kanye in in Kanye is a lot like uh, Dumbledore, but in Jay Z's world, 
Kanye is Neville, where it's like, or Ron, where it's like Kanye has this amazing skill set. And maybe Jay-Z will let, watch the throne is Jay-Z, is Harry letting Ron kill one Horcrux, but Ron's not getting a second Horcrux. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. I, I don't know, man, but that's the topic for, that's topic for another episode. Well, we got a Harry deep dive coming up, so we can explore that too. Because we yeah. got Dumbledore, then Voldemort, and then Harry. Sum up Voldemort, I, not Voldemort, I'm sorry. Sum up Dumbledore, bro. Like if you had to describe Dumbledore in a quick uh, few sentences, what would it be? Beyond just the risk taker thing, I would say that Dumbledore, uh, I would say his defining thing is that he has an unhealthy relationship with grief and he takes it out on everybody inadvertently because in his own mind, it's kind of warped where he thinks he's being noble by closing himself off and stuff. But like McGonagall would like a better friendship with him. I mean, Harry and Snape are the two closest things Dumbledore gets to a friendship post Grindelwald, but neither of them gets their needs met by Dumbledore. Snape probably gets the closest to getting his, and that's another guy who has an unhealthy relationship with grief. Like, yeah, Dumbledore's defining thing is that he refuses to, uh, oh, <laughs> he refuses to uh, delve into his own mental health. A hundred percent. We gotta we gotta sort this last guy before we catch a casualty. Yo, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Yo, Max looks so interesting. Yeah, that was that was. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> bro. <laughs> oh shit! If you could have seen. I don't know what you were doing on your side, but I was like, yo, bro, look like he's about to fall asleep, man. Dude, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, all right. So our, our last guy, we're going to be sorting uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, right. new, new Borat movie. It's fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, the first one's a classic. I wouldn't say this is a classic, but uh, we can we can sort him because I think, like, I mean, I think what he does is is kind of important. Like he's yeah. he's making comedy that it challenges uh, what you what we think is going on. Like some of his comedy exists in spaces that I I you know I'm not really that familiar with. Yeah, I'll say um, for me, I didn't I didn't really watch Borat or anything like that growing up as a kid, right? But I always heard so much about it. <laughs> how hilarious it was. And anytime I saw clips of it, it was like the White Chappelle show, if that makes sense. Yeah. People would share the clips and they were so excited. They would, they were so excited to show me Borat clips. Borat and Jackass had that in common. People would get so excited to show you the clips. It was almost like the way people would be excited to share good weed with you once you started smoking. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, you gotta try this. You gotta, that's how people, that's how people flock to Borat. So, I hadn't seen anything with that much cultural impact since the Chappelle show, really. Um, I would sort it into Gryffindor just because it seems like something Fred and George would just do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The way it takes advantage of certain people, like, come, look at how they flipped Ruli Giuliani, bro. They yeah. grilled that guy, man. <laughs> they put him in that nice little weird position. And it's him, Eric Andre, like, Mm -hmm. to be able to put people in that type of weirdness and make them live in it. And it's like these motherfuckers is just puppeteering them at a certain point. I think that's genius. So I for agree. that reason, 
I would sort it into Gryffindor because it immediately reminded me of um, Fred and George. I love the Fred and George comparison. I agree with all that. I would put it in Bobaton just because it's like so different than it was just different than the comedy I was accustomed to when I first saw it. And then it kind of expanded like when Bobaton and Durmstrang show up, I go, oh, Bobaton does some things that I think are really interesting and nice. Like it just seems like a fun, pleasant place to go to school. And I like the uniforms and they travel comfortably like, you know, Hogwarts, some of the stuff at Hogwarts maybe is a little bit too like it doesn't have frills and then Durmstrang the other way. And you're like, okay, this yeah. is too Spartan for me. But Hogwarts yeah. is a little medieval, right? Yeah. Having people like Filch and all that around where it's like, you know what? This castle that kind of looks like a prison if it wasn't for the people here, <laughs> it, it, it could use some sprucing up. Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the Weasleys would feel differently about being sorted, the potential of being sorted into Slytherin if they just saw how nice the Slytherin common rooms were relative to the rest of Hogwarts, mm-hmm. you got, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Maybe not. Max, what you think, bro? I would put uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in, uh, in Gryffindor for sure. I think he, uh, cause of how much he'll just like put himself in real danger to get the yeah, joke. True. I mean, I, the one that comes to my mind the most is, um, I don't know if you guys saw Bruno, yeah. But uh, like spoilers, I don't know. It's like twelve years old. But Bruno, <laughs> Bruno ends with um, him in a cage match in Arkansas, pretending to fight the guy who was like his boyfriend the whole film, and just uh-huh. him and this guy just start making out while like all these rednecks freak the fuck out and like really try to kill them. Uh, so it's like they're throwing wow. cha- folding chairs at them. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. Hold on, stop. They tried to kill him. Basically, yeah, they tried to like these break their way into the cage. Are insane. And, and like beat him, beat these guys to death. Yeah. They had security that had to rush them out, but like he. he so they legit tried to commit murder to the guy. Yeah. In the last movie, there were in Borat 2, there's a scene where he's uh, doing a concert. That's a wild. And uh, he's, you know, he starts getting the people to recite song lyrics and then the people realized that he's pranking them. And apparently the people in the audience started pulling out guns, like telling him to go away. And he was like, he feared for his life that time too. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to end it with a sorted Sasha Baron Cohen talked about him getting his death threats. You know, it's kind of, he is a little bit like Dumbledore the way he takes insane risks and then trusts other people to bail him out of them. But you know, and it, but they always brilliant. seem to work. And then when you get to look at it, people go genius. And whether you appreciate it or not, can't lie. It kind of is. Yeah. You know, to speak that kind of truth to power, awesome all around. So dope episode, y'all. Yeah, Let's do for sure. Say peace out to the people and get back to life. All right. So, Will, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Will Poznan, W-I-L-L-P-O-Z-N-A-N. And uh, keep leaving comments and ratings on the show. You guys, that, that really uh, brightens my day. Yes. Like, share, try to get them numbers up. Because we going to try to make some big moves with the potterhood by the end of the year 2021. We need to get a, find us a studio, dog. Yeah. Well, you know we're, we're working on it. 
Yeah, now that we can all get, now that rapid testing exists and all that, we For hope sure. everybody's being safe. Max, where can they find you? They can find me on all social media, Max Marcus Comedy, and find my uh, new podcast, The Max Cast, on uh, Spotify and iTunes. Yes, indeed. Make sure y'all go listen to the Max Cast. Give it a five star rating. Tom the Potterhood sent you. You can find me on Instagram at Nico White ninety three. That's at N E K O W H I T E nine three. We are in the last stages of putting this project together. So I swear to God, I hope to be able to tell you in two episodes where you can pick it up and keep your eyes open for that, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all be safe. I'm Nico White. I'm Opaznan. And on the count of three, one, two, three, mischief managed. managed.